Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, John Schwab here, and welcome to the Curtain Call Podcast. Well, it certainly has been a minute. So much has gone on with the Curtain Call behind the scenes, but listen, that's a whole other podcast on its own, and we'll we'll do that one later. Curtain Call is the podcast that takes you deep behind the scenes of the theater world, bringing you in-depth conversations with the story makers that are shaping the future of theater. And we pull back the curtain to reveal the stories behind the stories, give you a glimpse into the backstage world like no other podcast does. This week, I'm chatting with writer M. Oliver and actor Bavin Amar. Earlier in the year, I was honored to be asked to judge the 2022 Durham Drama Festival at Durham University in the UK. It was an incredible three days of workshops, talks, networking events, but most importantly, new theater written and directed and performed by the incredible talent pool of students at Durham University. Full disclosure, my alma mater. One of the standout plays was M. Oliver's Beautiful Nothing, a one-woman show bringing into sharp focus how evil the internet can be towards women and the pitfalls that lie therein. It was a great piece of theater, and I wasn't at all surprised to hear that it was going to the Fringe Festival this year. I was absolutely enthralled by both M's writing and Bav's performance in this piece, and mark my word, Bav and Amar will be someone we will be watching on stage and screen in the future. Definitely. But enough of this intro. Sit back and listen to M. Oliver and Bav and Amar talk about Beautiful Nothing's journey from a simple idea to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I'm joined by Emily Oliver and Bevan Amar, and uh, I would, uh, we're here to talk about this amazing play called Beautiful Nothing that's about to go to the Fringe, the yeah. Edinburgh Fringe, and it's something I saw at the Durham Drama Festival. Thank you guys so much for for coming along and t- chatting to me, because um, you know I'm a fan of this play, and I think as many people should see it as possible. I would like to just give me a little bit of a, a, a genesis of the play and, and the background. And then we'll kind of ask Bav about her journey as well. But we'll start off with, uh, start off with where it came from. We'll start at the very beginning. Um, yeah. Well, brilliant. Well, th- thank you so much for having us, first of all. My pleasure. Um, <laughs> so the 
concept really kind of grew out of one very specific monologue that I just sort of had in my back catalogue I don't know I feel like any writers will have their sort of recycling bin of just like it's the problem with having all the documents and all the files because I just have all of these half finished things and it was a monologue all about how actresses get these deep fakes made of them which is when fans or perhaps anti-fans edit their body onto pornography or edit their face onto the bodies of pornographic photos Mm. and they can be really convincing and there are whole kind of scandals about people thinking their nudes have been leaked but really they're just deep these deep fakes and it was born out of this moment where she gets cornered at a family gathering and a member of her family has found them and doesn't believe that it's not her and it's this kind of feeling of powerlessness um and i remember revisiting this monologue and just having this sense i think i renamed it come back to this it has legs <laughs> <laughs> and it was i think catchy title m <laughs> yeah really really had something there um, uh, like all block capitals and yeah and then it was just one day where i think i was just in a bit of a slump um a bit of a depression day and didn't get out of my bed and just sat and wrote it and it just in that incredible kind of flowing violent way it just formed and suddenly there was a bare bones and yeah i guess that's sort of i almost feel like the character made the play it was like she reached out of it and grabbed me and was like this is a story that needs to be told it's a gripping story and when you say you know when you say monologue it's it, it almost diminishes how powerful and big this piece is because it is a monologue it is a, a a one person show but was that initial monologue something smaller than the because i guess what was it about a a, a I can't remember at Durham Drama Festival. It was a pretty significant length. It was oh, almost... Yeah, about, it's about 50 minutes. 50 minutes. I was about to say it was almost an hour, wasn't it? Oh, very much. And it's not even... That's sort of barely the instigating incident of it all. Um, it just felt like that tiny... was a little, It was a tiny fragment of something that had happened to her okay. and how she'd reacted to it. And then it all formed around that. Bav, you've got to have the amazing opportunity to play this amazing, it literally is an amazing role. It just is so elastic how much, you know, you can put into this. But when you first read this um, monologue, this play by M, what was it that made you go, yeah, 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 this is, this is what, I, what I'd like to do? Um, well, I think I always realized, I think from the beginning that it was, incredibly well written um and what I liked about Anya was that you know she's flawed um you know so she prides herself on being someone that you know she doesn't take anything to heart she doesn't take anything seriously including herself and yeah at the beginning of the play she talks about you know like Em said her face being edited onto a naked body and although deep down for a 17 year old that would obviously scare you and it would make you feel very violated. Um, You know, her response to the audience, well, you know, it was some body, I looked good. 
And I don't think that response came because, you know, she's emotionally immature or anything. I think she's incredibly mature. I think it's more that she she knows that if she allows herself to just ponder and she if she just lets those thoughts sort of sit in her mind, then she'd find herself in a very dark headspace. And so she doesn't want that. And so instead of tackling the problem, she just makes a flippant remark about it and, and makes a joke out of it and ignores it, um, which is, I think, similar to what a lot of people in our generation do about, you know, mental health. We often make jokes if we've got, you know, sort of depression or, or anxiety or anything like that. Um, and so I think she's also quite a relatable character as well. How much did you research? We all research as actors, we do our research. We like to go in, but was it, I mean, gosh, this is a depressing question. Was it easy to find the stories? Was it easy to find how, what impact a deep fake has on people? Um, please say it was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it's something that you know happens. I think you'd be very yeah. naive to think otherwise yeah 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 but obviously you know when you read about things and you know you sort of watch videos and you watch interviews of celebrities that have experienced it Mm. it is that bit more hard-hitting and you know it's quite a bitter pill to swallow Um, I mean as a writer as well I had friends when we were 13 and people got their nudes shared around so it's just one of those really like it's awful but it's that kind of truth of our internet they call it like a generation of internet nomads we've sort of grown up with almost completely unfettered access to this kind of intense like resource but feels so much more than that that it's just completely articulated Mm. and it's almost a character in the play I think the idea of the age of internet is something that I'm really interested in exploring and it's what a lot of the play is focused on. So yeah, I think sadly it is the reality of I've known people who have literally had that experience. Yeah. I think that's the thing about this play as well. It's you're dealing with something that's bigger than just Anya's experience and sort of the play itself. You know, many girls and, and women alike are gonna resonate to her experience and you know that's unfortunate, but it is sort of the harsh truth and so I think it's it's very important to all of us that we do justice to them as much as sort of the play and, and that element of it. And going back to the early days of rehearsal, did you guys workshop this play? Because I know it's had, um, you know, we, we met at the Durham Drama Festival, we saw a version of this, I'm sure you've been working on it and, and it's, it's changed. We part of the Durham Drama Festival is we had note sessions afterwards, said what we liked and, you know, this criticism and it was so well received. It was amazing, amazing show. When did you guys start um, working on it to develop it? Was it right at the beginning and did it change from when Babview first came on, uh, on, onto the project to where I saw it? And then from then, and I think it was, guys, when was the Durham Drama Festival? It wasn't February, was it? Yeah, February. I think. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So February to now, now August, you know, could, could you take me a bit through like how that journey of the development of the piece when the elements, cause I know we don't have Charlie here and, but give us the, the director's kind of input and also design. I'd love to know a little bit about that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of the Durham Drama Festival, we only had four weeks to do it. So it was 
quite a quick turnaround. Um, in terms of, you know, sort of, you know, from my part, I think at the beginning I was playing some elements more sort of seriously and intensely. And, you know, it was then Charlie that helped me step out of my comfort zone and, and really lean into the more comedic moments of the play. Um, and that's something that we've done even more now because um, Em's included more about sort of Anya's relationship with her mum and sort of a bit more background in terms of helping the audience understand how she's got herself in the situation that she's currently in. Um, in terms of sets, we've still got the, the pillow fort. Um, <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to do I love that, that idea. I um, love the pillow fort. It's a safe place, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think we've still, that, that I think was the main element of it, that and the phone. Um, we had projection in DDF. Um, we realized that that will be a bit hard now to transfer to Edinburgh yeah. Fringe. So we've got a pin board um, there instead. The most exciting thing about being able to take it to Fringe was just, it's not a completely new play, but it was such a joy to write it. There are so many comedic parts that I had only envisioned how I would have performed them. And there are now parts that are written specifically for Bav. And also this is, it's bad because Charlie isn't here because she keeps us sensible. It stops me and Bav just gushing <laughs> at each other. But Anya, the kind of new, but still the same central character is yeah. genuinely so inspired by Bav because she's someone that I just admire so much. You can definitely tell probably just from this interview that she's so grounded and confident and self-assured despite having going through the awful trauma really of lockdowns during some of your most formative years and I just I'm so impressed by you all the time and I really wanted to have it reflected in this piece so it's it's grown so much and I think Bav was the only person that I saw Anya outside of myself, if that makes sense. Bav knows I'm I'm already Bav's like number one fan. I think she's yeah. in, I think she's pretty incredible, <laughs> and she's amazing to watch on on stage. And I think you're right. That, it's funny, Bav, that the chats we've had about grounded, how grounded you are. I think that's definitely what Anya now is. She is. It's almost like the grounded to the place where she is on stage, but also um, there is no one else to fall back on when you're in a one woman show. Um, you can only rely on yourself and the writing, you know, and the writing. So you have to be grounded. Bab, have you, have you grown, you know, with the piece? Like when you find yourself on stage, you know, when the lights come up and you guys are rehearsing, have you found that this character has, has grown in her view of the world where she finds herself, although she's still grounded, you know, it has, has her experiences of what she's been going through kind of a little bit more world weary. I'd, I'd love to know how that character has grown. Yeah, I definitely. I, I think especially sort of throughout the play at the end, you can see that she is in a very different headspace, you know, how she was at the beginning. And yeah, I think in, in a one woman show, I think it's, easier almost to to show that development and show that change um you know like you said it is it is hard because you don't I guess have anyone else there to ground you as a character 
And so that, I think, almost becomes the audience's job. And because Anya, I think, has a lot of direct interaction with the audience and uses them as, you know, she breaks the fourth wall quite a lot. You know, she's letting them into her little world. And I think they, in a sense, almost motivate her to, to change and, and develop. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. This is Salisha Thomas from Black Hair in the Big Leagues, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Curtain Call podcast. <laughs> Moving on from Durham, you had quite a wide stage in Durham. It was, it was very much this thing. So the character has maybe grown and, and her, 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 her view of where she fits in this story. However, I imagine the stage you're going to be on in Edinburgh is a little smaller, um, a little more compact. So how have you approached bringing the play to a new house that is completely different physically, both in the writing, have you had to look at it in the writing or are there any moments that have changed because of that and also performance wise? Um, Well, I can sort of speak to a uh, design um, point of view. Um, The, (laughs) <laughs> the venue we premiered Beautiful Nothing in, it was the most it was the most ridiculously long stage that anyone's yes. ever seen. Perhaps the longest, <laughs> some would think. I, I think Bab got a workout the... running back and forth across. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> was that a breath quite regularly? Five hundred meter race, getting from one end <laughs> of the audience to the other. I, we walked in and they'd gotten the center aisle and then two huge blocks of audience and I was just like, oh my word, how is she going to fill this space? And she did. Yep. Um, but we're actually on a bit more of a, I, I think the state, the space will be so much easier for Bav because it's a uh, six meter by three meter, but I've extended out the pillow fort. Nice. Um, so it's all kind of leaning into this idea of the, someone who is very childlike slash is a child and is still innocent being around all of this awful thing on the internet basically and it's very bright colors but then portraying the kind of um comments she's getting online so it's sort of like kill yourself in beautiful pink crochet Mm. If that makes sense yeah. so I've kind of got it's going to be very colorful and it's my parents have been kind of working me watching me work on it painting it kind of like oh that's that's lovely darling die slut on this flowery sheet um so that's sort of kind of encasing her but other than that, so that's sort of designed specifically for the space that we're using. But other than that, it will actually just be a lot easier. Though one of my, my favourite moments from the whole production was the first night when Bav, I think about two minutes in, 
through her phone so far across the room it disappeared under a curtain <laughs> and she had to complete the production just without it. Yeah. Um, so in the moment, Bev. In the moment, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, it was a, so powerful the moment of it happening. I was like, oh my goodness. She didn't then have to like mime a phone call, I think. <laughs> there. You could just see me looking around the stage at the same time. <laughs> you would kind of wander over, but it was so properly gone. It was so forcefully. <laughs> there was no way away. it was coming back. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's a lot easier now to adapt it because you know the space in which I'm rehearsing is is pretty similar to what we're getting at the space, um, and so there's not a lot of of changes that need to be made in that respect. Um, I think one thing I did do is that you know I think certainly at the beginning she's sort of full of energy and when she's multi rolling and things yeah. like that, um, and I definitely use the space to my advantage. So yeah. I think in you know, this case, I'm just going to have to make sure that I, I keep the momentum and I keep the energy going without having to travel so much around the space and use all of it, um, which, yeah, I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. I think we'll probably also just have to make sure you're not too intense in the very intimate space. We're going to be like, Bab, don't traumatise them. <laughs> They're right up in front of you. Yeah, that's true, actually. They're very close. So it will be much more subtle. Or they'll be able to appreciate more of the nuance. I can imagine this being like this. This space draws you into the trailer or the the room wherever the Anya is, um, and, and you feel like you're there with her, and it's a one on one conversation. It's not so much presenting; you're actually just going, "Hey, welcome to my hell." I love this piece. Beautiful Nothing is a beautiful play. Um, I really enjoyed it. I. I thought um, as a middle-aged white dude, you know, would I get this? And oh my God, it just made me, it made me think about my, you know, my nieces and what they've got to do. I just was like, and also I was challenged almost to laugh and not to laugh. I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't find this funny. But this <laughs> is hilarious. This is, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Am I, am I allowed to laugh? And he's looking around. And, and I think that's one thing that you've captured, Emily, really well, is the, are we allowed to laugh at this? Um, Good. And <laughs> Thank you very much. I mean, it's great. So, I mean, I'm, I could wax lyrical about it, but what I'd like to finish on is what's the one thing from both of you that you'd like the audience to walk away from this? You know, this is a, you're going to the Edinburgh Fringe. People love their theater there, but what would you like these theater lovers to walk away with? Um, when they leave Beautiful Nothing? Oh, well, I'd definitely like people to reassess the way they use social media and the way that they feel about female celebrities because I think it transfers from just thinking about theatre and the way you consume theatre. I hope it makes people think about how they use Instagram, for example. And I think I, I hope it... I hope people start to sort of assess um, their role in this problem. And, you know, the last thing that I would want is for certain people to think, well, you know, I haven't been involved in that kind of thing and therefore it's it's not my problem. Um, you know, this is, you know, like I said, it's, it's a problem that affects, you know, I would say over 90% of the girls and women um, that will, you know, come and see this play and, and you know, just in the world in general. Um, and... 
I think it's very important that people understand that because I think all too often people do just turn a blind eye to these kinds of things if it doesn't affect them. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I like about this play. It has dealt with sort of very hard-hitting themes in a way that doesn't shy away from them. But I think we do also deal with them sensitively. Yeah. Amazing. Well, actually, it wasn't the last thing because I need to ask you where it could be. I'm, I'm going to be away. Annoyingly, I'm not going to the fringe this year. We're going on holiday for the I'm taking the boys home for the first time in three and a half years. So, oh, um, your excuse. I, I know. <laughs> That's a good excuse, John. <laughs> um, where can people uh, A, see it and B, get their tickets? Right, Bab, shall, shall I take it away? I'm ready. Go on then. Go on in. So we're lucky enough to be partnered with The Space and you can find us in venue 53 Surgeons Hall at 10am from the 15th of August to the 20th. So it is it is a hard hitting way to start your day, but it's going to be a great time. Um, the space is really beautiful and you can find tickets on the Edinburgh Fringe website, on The Space website, search up Beautiful Nothing and you can also find the ticket link on our social medias. So at Play on Twitter and at Beautiful Nothing Play on Instagram. Give us a follow. Give you Nailed a follow. It. That was really good. <laughs> we got so lost just... in the middle. I think it was good. <laughs> Awesome. Guys, um, M. Oliver Bavamar, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. And I wish you all the success. I properly wish you all the success. And many people need to go watch a show. Like you say, start the day right. Go see a yeah. beautiful play. <laughs> Do it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Bavin Amar and M. Oliver, two of the creators of Beautiful Nothing, playing later this month at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and I'll tell you where you can get tickets in just a second. So I'd like to thank you for listening, but before we go, a quick reminder to say that if you did like this episode, or indeed any of our episodes of the Curtain Call podcast, please go to whichever streaming platform you use and leave a rating and a review. It really does help others like you find the podcast. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on all the socials at Curtain Call, all one word. And if you want to reach out to me, I'm at John Schwab, J-O-H-N-S-C-H-W-A-B, on all the socials. Lastly, I'd like to thank M. Oliver and Bavin Amar for coming along and chatting with me today. You can catch Beautiful Nothing at The Space at Surgeons Hall in Edinburgh, otherwise known as the Haldane Theatre, H-A-L-D-A-N-E Theatre, from the 15th to the 20th of August at 10 a.m. Tickets at edfringe.com or thespaceuk.com. Go see it. Start your day right. Join us again next week when we'll speak with another of Durham Drama Fest's successes, Ben Willows, and his explosive play, Cottage. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.